I asked a couple people this morning how your week went, and they were like, man, it was busy. Anybody else have a, a busy week, busy weekend? Maybe post-Fourth of July family hangover or something like that. Maybe you still have family here. It's been kind of busy. It's good to just be here and, uh, and listen and hear from the Lord. Now, most people like to watch sports, right? I, I know there are a few folks in the church who don't really like sports. I'm related to one of them. Um, but, but even he, I know, uh, likes competition of sorts. You know, it, it, whether it's uh, basketball or, or hockey or baseball or uh, card games or board games, um, there's something about competition that relates to our topic today. Um, Maybe you're not into games either, and your competition is how your yard looks compared to your neighbor's yard. Right? I know another person, and it's not me, in this room who, if the neighbor mows their lawn, they feel like they need to mow their lawn. You know, because it's got to look good, right? And, and when you think of the levels of competition, it, we go through, through different... Um, different dimensions of that. Um, At the beginning of the game, whether it's an athletic event or a a board game, you know, you're you're kind of a little bit maybe more relaxed. Um, You're you're not working as hard. You're just trying to warm up. You're just trying to figure things out. You're just trying to get in the game and and, uh, learn who your opponent is. And then as the game progresses, the, the use of energy and, and motivation of the players, it increases, the intensity increases. They, they maybe compete a little bit harder. I know coaches, you know, they work hard at getting their kids to compete hard, and sometimes they don't start that way, and sometimes you hope that, you know, that big tongue lashing you just gave them at halftime or whatever will, will do the trick, and they'll come out, and they'll finally, they'll fly, finally, what, increase the intensity of their play. And then, and then there's also this aspect of competition where, say, it's a baseball team or a, a hockey team or a, a basketball team, professional or college, where it's, it's the big game. It's game seven, or, or maybe they're down three games to two, and if they don't win tonight, they're done. And you can kind of tell by the way that they play the game, they skate faster, they play harder, they, they sweat more, they lay more out there on the court. It, it's just, it's like they're playing with desperation because they know that if they don't win this, you know, it's off to Disneyland. And so, um, or they could go fishing. Yes, that's, that's a good thing, Dick. Um, that's what prayer is like. That, that's what, how I want us to see prayer today. Not that it's a competition. That's not the uh, comparison I'm trying to make. But the fact that there are different dimensions or, or different intensities of prayer that we engage in throughout the course of a day or a week or a month. And, and that that's okay. That, that it's okay that there is this different intensity. Lamentations, uh, your memory verse for this week 2.19 says this, Arise, cry out in the night. As the watches of the night begin, pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to him for the lives of your children who faint from hunger at the head of every street. Prayer 
is like that. It's very emotional. It, it can also be desperate. Last week, we saw how Jesus taught us to pray when we looked at uh, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew. Praising, repenting, asking, and yielding. And today we see the differing dimensions of prayer. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who receives, he who seeks finds. And for everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And he's not just repeating himself three times. Pray, pray, pray. I think he's also uh, communicating to us that there, there are also different kinds of prayer. It's, it's not just the same instruction three times. See, God loves us to communicate with him. He wants us to communicate with him. He loves us. He wants us to spend time with him. And in turn, he has designed it so that our health and hope and salvation can lie in our determination to call on him and to surrender ourselves to him. There is no other way. We simply can't live the Christian life without an active prayer life. Let me repeat that. We simply can't live the Christian life without an active prayer life. Praying to the Father in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we do that, there are three intensities of prayer, different levels of intimacy and different levels of desperation that we all experience on a daily life as we live, as we journey, as we play that game of life on a daily basis. There are definite differences in kinds of prayers we pray. There are different interactions that we have with different people that we have relationships with. There are different reactions that we have with the same people that we have relationships with, whether that's a husband or wife or a, a father, son, mother, daughter, mother, son, uh, employee, boss. There are different, definite differences. And the first level is this, as we uh, look at what Jesus said about asking and seeking and knocking. This dimension, this asking, uh, communicates our need for God's intervention. Uh, there is something that, that we are, are missing, and even people who have not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior can find themselves in, an, in, in, a, in a, a tragic or intense part of their life praying to God, asking him, for something because they see that they have nowhere else to turn. And the unfortunate thing is that we think we can live our lives every day on our own and that we don't need him. And then when it just gets too tough and we can't do it on our own anymore, that's when we say, okay, now I'm going to ask. But, but really that communication and that asking needs to, needs to come from the very beginning. It, it needs to be an ongoing conversation all day long. Psalm 50 verse 15 says, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. God wants us to call on him. And we exercise this prayer anytime we are in need. 
right? Um, maybe you got up this morning and you, maybe you were getting ready to come to church and you couldn't find your car keys. And you just paused for a moment and said, Lord, I don't know where I put them this time, but could you help me? Uh, what, whatever it might be. We, we call out to him during specific troubles. When, when we're upset and harassed, we ask. When, when we face dilemmas or we need divine direction for a specific uh, decision or life path, we ask. Those, these prayers are often, they're arrow prayers. They're short and to the point. Sent up in a time of need. And, and these prayers will often lack the praise and the repentance that we talked about last week. But one thing asking does do is it reminds us when we engage with him of our need for him. That, that we need something. That we are depending on him. See, asking can keep us from getting arrogant and prideful about how we live our life. So we ask. The second intensity of prayer is seeking. And this prayer communicates our need for intimacy and fellowship with God. You see, when you seek after something, it's because it's missing or you've lost it. When we seek after God, it's because we have this sense in our soul that says we're lacking something, we're missing something. And we all are. We need him. David, King David, shepherd boy David, spent hours alone with God. I mean, sheep aren't really good companions. And he was out there sitting on a hill caring for these sheep for hours and hours and hours. And as David communed with God in those times, he, he learned about his creator he allowed God to implant his laws and desires deep into David's soul. Those years on the hillside, getting to know God, relying on him. For the strength that it took to care for the sheep, to keep track of the sheep. Uh, a level of relationship that when he was still just a boy taking food to his brothers on the battle lines gave him the faith to say, why aren't you standing up against this giant? And we too can have that same faith. We need to seek him. I wonder at what point in time of David's life he wrote Psalm 23. I wonder when he sang that for the first time, maybe. You know, David was a great musician. And uh, it would be fun to know, someday we will, it would be fun to know the original melody that he put this poem to, this pouring out of his heart. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup 
overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is a proclamation. This, I bet he sang this as a prayer many times. A reminder of the faithfulness of God as he, as he praised him, as he repented for that sin in his life, as he asked his heavenly father for things, and then as he yielded himself. There is a deep sense of connection with David and his creator as we read that psalm. And we can often relate with that connection and with the desperate need that we have and want of that same connection. This level of prayer can be conversational and it can take time to focus. It happens often during our daily times with him, our, our daily devotions. You see, we need to spend time with God on a, on a daily basis. If we don't, we risk being taken by the current of the culture and, and swept down the stream. So with the knowledge that you need this, let's seek him. Let's take time to communicate with him, to enjoy sitting in his presence, the intimacy and the fellowship that happens in those times, the, the, the level of prayer that we have when we desperately need. We desperately need this time. You need this time. The enemy is trying to convince you that, that you don't need to spend time in prayer every day. You don't need to spend time reading God's word. You're saved. You've, you, you've got your salvation. Just, just live your life however you want to. But we're losing the battle if that's what we've resigned ourselves to. This is a, a level of prayer, this seeking, where we become better acquainted with our, our Lord and our Savior, with his ways, with his expectations, and, and his word, listening to him, yielding to his desires for us. And, and just because God is always with us and he's always ready for us to come to him and ask him of things does not mean that we should have the attitude that God is somehow some genie and if we just you know rub him enough or or this Santa Claus that we can consistently bring our list to or or a vending machine where we we pray a quarter into the slot and push a button and out comes what we want we need to remember that he can't be manipulated Just like any other human being doesn't appreciate being manipulated, but they do appreciate deep relationship, God wants us to recognize his holiness and his sovereignty and to have times with him where we listen and speak, pray. As we focus on seeking on a daily basis, God comes alongside of us and he leads us and he directs us. He teaches us. You see, we need to seek him. We need him. We need to stay connected. He is the vine and we are the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Asking, seeking, and the third dimension or intensity is knocking. 
Does anybody knock on anybody's door anymore, or ring the doorbell, or you just send a text when you pull up and say, I'm here? Um, Garrett, I do that too, I'm ashamed to say. I mean, why would I want to get out of the car and actually go knock on the door, right? Why just say, I'm here? Um, you, you see, God wants us to knock on the door. Uh, and, and yesterday, I stopped at a family member's house, and it looked like they weren't home, but I knocked, but I didn't wait very long. I went into the house and then hollered, anybody here? They weren't home, so nobody responded. But God is always home, and we need to knock. Lord, help. This is the most intensive prayer. This is those times of, of desperation where we communicate to him a deep, deep need, either in our soul or in the soul of a friend, a physical need. I mean, we all know people who have intense needs, even right now in this moment. And maybe you sitting here or watching us online this morning are that person that have a deep, deep, intense need. And my question for you is, have you gotten on your knees in a deep and intense way, knocking, seeking, asking, crying out to the only one who really knows what's going on and who can really help you? Or do you just continue to try and pull it off yourself? Our cry sounds something like this from Psalm 130, verses 1 and 2. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. That is an intense prayer out of a soul that is seeking and knocking after God. Now, this kind of prayer really requires sacrifice on our part. It requires a sacrifice of time. It requires a sacrifice of our pride, our independence, sacrifice of our privacy. We, we somehow still convince ourselves that we can hide stuff from God. But when we pour out our brokenness to him in this way and we lay open our souls for him to inspect and do surgery on, we lay open the things that we think are private for him to see. The Israelites desperately cried out from captivity in Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 7. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery toil and depression. In 1 Samuel, a barren woman by the name of Hannah, time after time after time, cries out to God for a son. In fact, in the final moments before God grants her request and, and answers her, she's pouring out her soul at, at the temple, and, and one of the priests thinks she's, she is so intense, he accuses her of being drunk. She is desperate for a son, and she cries out to God. In Luke chapter 8, verses 43 through 48, we, we read a case of a woman who has suffered for eight years with a severe health problem. No one could help her. And in a cry of desperation, she, in a crowd, 
pushes through and reaches out and touches, literally knocks on the cloak of the door of heaven and touches Jesus and she is healed. Just before his arrest, Jesus himself prayed in anguish of this level to he sweat drops of blood. His anxiety level was so high and he desperately prayed that this cup could be removed. He was seeking. This is found in Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 44. Jesus went out as usual, that's an important thing, to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw behind them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Now, we're not going to pray like that every day, every time we pray. So what I don't want you to hear this morning is that that's how you should pray. What I want you to hear this morning is that you should pray. And as we do, we will be drawn in and we will experience the different intensity levels. But don't be afraid of this. Don't be afraid of laying your soul bare before the Lord. Maybe you fear what the answer might be. And so you haven't been seeking. You haven't been knocking. You've been, you've been praying the quarter into the machine and pushing the button and you don't see the little red, the little orange light that says, push another button. Ask differently. Ask for something else. Listen to me. Listen to me. There's something better. Trust me. Asking, seeking, and knocking. We need him. Now, I want to give us four examples this morning. Four, four, I struggled with a word for this. Four postures, if you will. The, the first one is this. When, when we pray, and it doesn't matter which level of intensity this is, uh, though these will apply mostly to the third one, let's pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever sat down to pray and, well, honestly, you just, you had nothing? You're like, okay, it's six o'clock in the morning, I've read my devotion, and it's time to pray, and I, I know I need to spend this time, I, I need to spend this time with the Lord, and you're just, don't know what to say, don't know where to start. And so what, what, what I want to encourage you to do in those, those moments of time is to just take a moment to ask the Holy Spirit to help you to know what to pray for. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, Paul helps us with this. He says, 
First he says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So he gives us some things to pray for right there. But he says, he, he, he encourages us to pray in the spirit, pray in the power of the spirit. And he's more specific in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. This is what he says there. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words can never express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. You know, usually we come to the Lord and and we've already got a list of things that we're going to cover in that prayer time and we start at the top of the list and, and we work our way down and it's good to have a list. Don't get me wrong, I have one. It's a note on my phone and anytime anybody asks me to pray for them, I I put them at the end of that list and I pray through the list and I pray through the list and sometimes we get something on a connect card that said the Lord has answered this prayer and, and then they, they get off the list and, and my list gets a little bit shorter and then it gets longer again. But it's, it helps me to remember the people that have asked for me to stand in the gap for them on their behalf and, and we need to do that. When we pray in the Spirit, when we call out to Him to help us pray, we make ourselves available for Him to then speak to us and through us. We die to ourselves and our hearts and minds are aligned with His intentions. And and we can actually feel the impression of the Holy Spirit on us, guiding us through what to pray for, how to pray, our thoughts as we pray, what what God speaks to us, what he confirms in us, what he encourages us with. And in fact, sometimes we feel a specific direction to pray toward. Sometimes we're just urged to pray. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night wide awake and you don't know why? And you think, this would be a great opportunity to pray. That's the Holy Spirit. I know people who have woken up in the middle of the night and just felt this urge to pray for their daughter and simultaneously at the same time unbeknownst to them she was actually in a, a plane crash in Sioux City, Iowa. Survived the plane crash. In fact, <laughs> we didn't talk about it, but I saw her yesterday at a birthday party. Haven't seen her in years. Her parents prayed for her in that moment. Assume crash position, the stewardess said. Brace, brace, brace. And when that plane cartwheeled down the runway, who would have known anybody could survive it? Flames, She had her, I don't remember if he was one or two, her son in her lap. And she said, 
She didn't remember anything from when the, the stewardess said, assume crash position, until she and her son, with her son in her arms, was walking through a cornfield, barefooted. Praying in the Spirit. The Spirit tells us what to pray for, how to pray. This, this actually happened to me this last week, not that dramatically, but uh, I prayed one morning more intensely for a, for a couple things that have been on my heart and on my mind, and more specifically. And uh, later that morning, I got a text message from one of the people that I had prayed for that morning asking me to pray for a situation which I had already prayed for that morning. Praying in the Spirit. Coincidence? Not on your life. I was led early that morning by the Holy Spirit to pray as I, as I had. He will guide us. Let's pray in the Spirit. We can also, number two, pray through. Pray through whatever it is that we're praying for. This is what Daniel did in chapter 10. Chapter 10, beginning in verse 10. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. That's praying in the Spirit. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. When you first started praying, heaven got the message and I was sent on your behalf. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. When Daniel prayed, there was a delay in the answer, but it wasn't because he wasn't praying hard enough or he didn't have enough faith. It's because there was a spiritual realm battle going on. How often do we pray and we ask God for something or we seek him and we don't get an answer right away and we quit praying? We're convinced that it's not doing any good or that, that it's a waste of time. Not Daniel. He prayed through it. And finally on that 21st day, and I don't know, maybe for some of us, it's the 365th day or year five. I don't know what's going on in the spiritual realm, but we have a clear picture into part of that here. And we see that there is opposition. And I don't know, I've, we've all probably read fiction books where if just more people would pray, the, 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 the good power would overcome the evil power. I don't, can't hurt, right? I don't know, I haven't seen anything like that, but... We need to pray. We need to pray through. 
Don't give up. Don't quit. Days, weeks, months, years. You have a daughter and a granddaughter and a son-in-law who's wanted to come to this country. Did we give up? No, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we thought maybe all hope was lost and then there was one more chance, the last chance. And we prayed. And they're going to be here in like two weeks or a week from tomorrow. I mean, amen. And, and I don't know where you are. I know we have parents who have wayward children and children who are just experiencing it and you pray for them and you pray for them and you pray for them and there just doesn't seem to be an answer. Yet, don't quit, persist, and pray through. The third one is actually persistence. I guess I wanted to hammer this thought through. Sometimes I wonder if maybe persistence or the need to persist is, is a test of our spiritual determination and faith and, and trust. Sometimes when we, we give up on praying for th- something, it's because we just sort of think God doesn't care. So why, again, why would I waste my time praying for this? No, this, Jesus himself prayed persistently for himself Seems odd, doesn't it? That's what he did in the garden. And for us, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 through 9. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Jesus was constantly in prayer to the Father while he was on this earth. We can follow his example and also pray with persistence, going to that place where he regularly went. We can go to that place where we regularly go. Pray in the Spirit. Pray through. Pray with persistence. And finally, the fourth one is to pray in intercession. When is the last time that you prayed for someone else? Thank you, Garrett. And we should all follow your example. Sometimes we get wrapped up in ourselves and we only have what we want and what we need and what we desire on our hearts and our minds, but we need to take a step back when that happens and we need to surrender that selfishness and we need to pray on behalf of others as well. To pray with true intercession when the Spirit of God places in our heart a burden for someone else, for another situation, a desire to pray for someone else. And when this happens, when when God puts his finger on you and, and gives you this desire to pray on behalf of someone else, you have become the his instrument of blessing in their life. 
And I don't say that so you can be prideful and say, look at me and what I'm doing for that person. I say that so that you can say what a privilege and gift God has given me to cry out to him on behalf of this other person. Praying in the Spirit becomes involved here in this one. In Colossians 4, verse 12, Paul says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings, hello, from Epaphras. And then he tells them, he is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Let's wrestle with God in prayer on behalf of others. Your husband, your wife, your kids, your relatives, your friends, your co-workers, your boss, your state, your nation, our politicians, those that we don't like. Let's stand in the gap as God puts that in our hearts. And and I think the more that we focus and stand in the gap on behalf of others, the more God, the more people God puts on our heart for us to intercede on behalf of. As we become aware of needs, let's get down on the wrestling mat of heaven and let's pray. Ask, seek, knock. Pray as if your life depends on it. Because it does. Pray on behalf of someone else as if their life depended on it. Because it does. Pray in the Spirit. He will guide you. Pray to the Father. Our Lord God, in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I I want you right now, in this moment, I want you to, to think of somebody. Ask the Holy Spirit right now, and maybe even as we sing the last couple songs that we have this morning. For those who God would have you stand in the gap for. For those who he wants you to wrestle with him on the mat over. Intercede for them. Sacrifice some time. Sacrifice some energy and physical comfort so that you can bring them to God on a consistent basis. And with great intensity. Jesus generously repeated over and over throughout his word, we see it in the Gospels, that if we will ask, seek, knock, call, cry, that he will intercede on our behalf. He will answer us. He will meet with us daily as we dig into his word, as we sit and listen to him in times of trouble when we're pouring out our brokenness and our hearts to him like water before him. And and may our prayer times not, not be a sense of duty, but a passionate lifestyle. You see, Christianity, it's it's not about 
having a religion. It's about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you've spoken to our hearts and our minds this morning. Father, my, my prayer is that we have all been challenged this morning. And, and, and I pray, Father, that if there is someone who maybe their prayer life has been terrible. Maybe they haven't been communicating with you. They haven't been connected to the vine. And right now, they're just, they're just feeling bad. Father, I, I pray that you would help them see and understand that 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 guilt, that feeling is to bring them to a moment of time where they say, Father, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And after they do, they, they understand and know that in your mercy and in your grace, you restore their soul. And that they would begin praying out of a passionate desire instead of duty. And as they do, their relationship with you just just grows and grows. And they are nourished and strengthened. Father, reach out to us and give us what we need to pray for. Sometimes when we think of our nation, we just think all is lost and there's no hope for anything. And I don't believe that's true. Help us to know what to pray for and how to pray. God, you are good. (laughs) You are a good, good father. Draw us to you. In Jesus' name, amen.